language in this show may be too harsh for young listeners. In other words, we still struggling with our cussing. Psycho Music Lyricology, where music touches the mind and heals the soul. I am Sheldon Moss, along with the dude that is always secure about his opinion, Michael Nelson. Hello. <laughs> and the professor is not with us today, but he will be joining us on our next show. But in his place, we have a guest. She is a native of Dallas, Texas. She holds a BA in Broadcast Communication, an MA in Playwriting, and a MFA in Creative Writing Education. She is the author of When All Hell Breaks Loose, Cubicles, and He Had It Coming. She currently teaches middle school theater and seventh grade writing. We would like to welcome to Psycho Music Lyricology, Miss Kamika Spencer. Hey. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? What's happening with and, you? What's going on? And I've moved to high school, so now oh, I'm Oh, you high school now? I'm uh-huh. high school theater. Oh, okay, what high school? In the, Lancaster. Oh, okay. Same district. Yeah. My uh, cool. niece goes to school over there. Oh, really? What's her name? Well, she goes to the ninth grade school. Oh, at the ninth. What's her name? Uh, Shalicia Himes. Okay. You know her? No, I don't. But uh, she's not into any activities any, that any, I know of. Yeah, <laughs> got to get into something. <laughs> you know, so. But we are so glad to have you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. To have you. I'm really glad to be here. I be feeling so like, ain't nobody paying attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is my third time seeing you. I know. You well, know. What was the? At Clarence's deal. Yeah. And, and then, then Van, Van Hunt. Hunt. And today. And today. So what did you think about the Van Hunt show? I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a little weird when I first heard about it because I was like, the sundown at Granada, I was like, that's a small space. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is going to be crazy. It's going to be packed out. And ironically, it was comfortable. It was Mm -hmm. like, it's the kind of stuff that I think when we go to concerts, we'd be like, I just wish I could pay to just have an intimate setting and not have all the hoopla. And then when you get it. And then you get it, yeah. It's like weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved it. Um, yeah. It was right up my alley mm-hmm. as far as where I am in life mm-hmm. and what I want when I pay my money to go see an artist. I hear that. So. And it was cheap. That's kind of, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of what he said. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing, yeah. But I think Van Hunt, you know, he's been through some stuff. So I think he's at a level now where it's like, what we imagine comes with celebrity them as far as being an artist he's like no i just want to take my fair share and be done yeah you know what i mean i want to have a comfortable living i'm not trying to ball out of control right um i feel like that's what has happened he's he's transitioned into a form of artistry that um is 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 level yeah, we actually had a, a couple of uh, we did a show conversation. On yeah, we did a show, show on, on a couple of his albums. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we did a, he a actually, show about Cree Summers' album. Yeah. Nice. And, he actually listened to he, the show. Yeah, he he, hey. he hit us up. Yeah. yeah, he followed me. He follows me on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's he's cool <laughs> like, people. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, I th- I think he's like he wants to be regular folk too. Well, he is. They're I mean, all you know regular. What I mean? It's I'm what just they. Saying, yeah. You know, he want to walk the street. Yeah. He doesn't want to be a star. He just wants to right. do you this know, for a living. And then, yeah, and, you know, yeah. just be regular folk, too. I feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel that. That's all good. Yeah, you know, so. But what you been listening to, Mike, you know? Um, I finally got to hear Cold Train's album. Did you like it? I loved it, man. But, you know, I'm biased, you know, because to me, there's, you know, yeah. there's the there's the saxophone triumvirate. And there's like Sonny Rollins, John yeah. Coltrane, and Joe Henderson, and then there's like nobody Anybody else, <laughs> or everybody else comes after that. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm a little bit biased. He can, you know, he he could blow the alphabet, and I think it's like the greatest thing on the planet. So <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, I, I got that thing in me with regard to who he is as an artist. So um, I'm a little biased about it, and but I got stuck on it for about two days straight. Yes. Like I couldn't stop listening to it. I was just like. Mm. 
sitting in the car and I see other things pop up yeah. and then I play <laughs> it was funny I would start playing something and then about yeah. 30 seconds into it I go oh, I want to hear Coltrane and I mm-hmm. go back and listen mm-hmm. to that again so that's really all I've been listening to for maybe like the last I mean that's the only thing that's been anything that I would even suggest to even talk about, talk about yeah. it was a couple of other things I kind of listened to you know it was cursory listen after a while I mm-hmm. just kind of got like I don't want to hear this yeah which you know, it's always hard for us to bad mouth <laughs> right? So you know, we, you know, I, I'd be five minutes into it and I go, ah, I don't want to yeah, hear this because you know it's kind of like uh, I don't want to bad mouth you because you might hear us and I don't want you bad mouth us either. And you know, it's I don't, that don't really bother me. You know, everybody's got their opinions, but uh-huh. you know, you, you you know, you look at. I, I guess I got into an age where you you know. There are some things that are just bad. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. But you you hope that someone's creative outlet that they've, you know, put some heart into. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this right. before. They put their heart into it, you know, and you you, you don't want to just say ah. Yeah, right. You know, I just you know, you know my favorite phrase is yeah. it's, that was just not for me. Right. <laughs> whatever whatever that one was, that one wasn't for me. She so. just doesn't sound like anybody. Yeah, yeah. She just <laughs> Does, it does that one doesn't work for me, but anyway, what you been listening to? You Man, listening? actually, you know what? I didn't do anything this week while we were out while we were gone. Yeah, I actually, uh, I was going to Portugal, of course. I uh, caught up on my Netflix. Hey, so I caught up on uh, Dear White People. I, f- I finished Dear White People. I, f- I caught up on that. I got well the second season. Yeah. So now I got it. Now I got to do the third season. Oh, the okay. Third season you is out. Okay, I had yeah, got yeah, to yeah. the third okay. season, so I caught up on that, and I started catching up on Black Lightning. Oh Lord. Two. Oh. Okay. Black Lightning. I started catching up on that. How long was now, that flight? <laughs> man, I watched. Believe it or not, I watched the whole second season. Coming back. Mm. Of from Madrid to Dallas because we had a layover in Madrid. Okay, so from Madrid to Dallas, that's eleven hours. So that's the other reason <laughs> I haven't been that far. It was eleven hours coming back from there, but it was nine going. Okay, you know, but it was from Dallas. Well, we went from yeah Dallas to Madrid and Madrid to Portugal. Uh, from Madrid to Portugal is only like an hour and fifteen minute yeah. flight. Yeah from there like here to Houston or something okay you know and then but I I I said I'm not going to sleep on the way back no because we left it was daytime when we left Mm -hmm. but it was night when we got here Mm -hmm. and I wanted to stay up so I could go to sleep when you got when I got here gotcha but going we flew at night Mm -hmm. so we got there that afternoon gotcha so I slept all the way already but yeah I caught up on that and I caught up it was another movie I was uh the defiant ones okay I finally got to see it because you know it was on HBO what is that? That's the Dr. Dre and uh, Jimmy Lavine. They're how they came together. Oh, the Defiant ones. Okay, yeah. oh. all right. I you know, got it's you. basically their it's stories. A, it's a it's a documentary. Yeah, yeah. It's basically okay. their when you stories. Said, I movie, about I was the movie. Like, yeah. Oh well, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was, was going to say about off. this other movie, but yeah. okay. I got caught you. up on no, the uh, Defiant ones, and I got one, two, and three. So I'm working on the last one now, and it talks about their past and how they came together and all this stuff. Here, they have some really good. Man, that, doctor, that, yeah. that damn Dr. Dre, I tell check you. Check it out. Good stories, good stories. Yeah, so, you know. Mm-hmm. What about you, Miss Cam? What am I listening to? Yeah, what are you into? Um, <laughs> Just at the Man, moment. these kids got me strung out. <laughs> <laughs> My kids got me strung out. Um, uh, okay, so in the car, let me just start from, let me just start from today. This morning I watched on Hulu, Amazing Grace, the making of the Aretha Franklin gospel album. I watched that. Yeah. I watched that. Yeah. Let me start there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought back a lot of memories. Um, then I got in the car. I'm listening to The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. That's this new on, book. That's this yeah. latest book, mm-hmm. The Oprah Pick. Um, and then I'm, I listened to K, K, mm, K.D. Dennert. She's a singer. And then right after that, uh, D'Angelo came on. Okay. So you know, just, that's, that's just I'm about it. to use that. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, just when I was driving over here, yeah, this what came on. Listening to, yeah. I didn't change it. 
I, I heard it all the way through. Um, so what did you think about uh, what did you think about Amazing Grace? I liked it. Um, mm. what, what's interesting to me is that I'm always sitting back because I have a, a I have like an alien kind of mind frame. Where I'm always like, no, I can't believe Aretha Franklin had to die for this to come out. You know, they've been holding on to this. That's yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but watching it. Mm-hmm. was amazing mm-hmm. and this is the thing i put this on my ig my grandmother used to play this album religiously yeah. she used to play it so much that i I literally did think aretha franklin was a famous cousin mm-hmm. like we were supporting mm-hmm. a famous cousin mm-hmm. um so to watch her actually singing it mm-hmm. you know it's a live album so mm-hmm. you hear all this background stuff mm-hmm. but to actually watch it is like phenomenal because i was getting chills yeah. i was getting like straight chills which i did too the first time i mm-hmm. saw it and the thing that's like uh interesting to me the most interesting thing is i heard um uh, bernard purdy the drummer mm-hmm. did an interview and he said the actual recording of the performance mm-hmm. was nothing compared to the rehearsals mm-hmm. oh my god he said the rehearsals were like 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 just like he said they were like spiritual moments he said by the time they got to the actual recording it was a it was work it was like yeah we got to get this in and get it right and i was like i bet that is the truth with that particular thing i bet you know you i bet if you were sitting in the rehearsals he was like they should have recorded the rehearsals yeah he said the the performances were just performance that's crazy because it was a woman sitting in that congregation with a neck brace on i was like i don't know how she made it through it <laughs> they had to carry me back out she on another stretcher healed. right <laughs> and that second day you she see who healed. you see who showed up on the second yeah. day yeah dad in yeah so i i'm i'm at the rolling stone the next time i was gonna watch oh, that they? they were in the background back there they yeah. showed up yeah. the second yeah. day okay mick jagger showed up yeah. on the second day yeah. That's one of those, you know, uh, Aretha down here at the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know. You say she is. You know, but but back then, Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, they did everything. Right. They, they, they chased people like Aretha and James right. Brown. Right. And yeah. They, that was, you know, they, that was their, that was their holy grail. Be nice. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. But you know, I just, um, bef- about two weeks ago, I watched for the second time, 20 Feet from Stardom. Okay. That yeah, whole I that thing, too. and mm-hmm. that's always like, it's a foundational thing for me when it comes to us and and race and music and yeah. how we affect it yeah. and how we affect it in ways that like, on a modern tip, if we don't tell each other, mm-hmm. you know, like Sweet Home Alabama, them black women singing that song, yeah. you know, yeah. it's always just amazing to me that yeah. whole like racial construct around music. Yeah. We talked, talked about, about that. 20 Feet from, from Freedom, freedom. From, 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 from Stardom, stardom. Mm-hmm. and then we did we we were talking about doing a show about that, and I don't think we ever got to from it. a background background singer. y'all background should. singers. That's right. Yeah. We were gonna do a background singer show, and we never did. So mm-hmm. I guess y'all should. Uh, we, y'all we need should to pursue that. Out. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? That's what you need. That was to do. it. I'll be I'll come I'll come back. That, that uh, background singer. Yeah. Right so yeah. <laughs> speaking of uh, amazing life, the uh, background singer and the many the many lives of Kamika Spencer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We uh I, I I've been searching my memory to try to remember when it was that I found out you were an artist. We met uh, in a class. In that discipleship class we were taking that but I time. think I feel like we knew each other before then. I don't, I, I can't don't you, recall. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you know mm-hmm. David Farmer? Mm-mm. Okay, never mind. Mm-mm. I don't never think mind. I do. But, um, uh, and, and, and I remember you invited um, me to a performance. This is when I found out you were a poet. Mm-hmm. And what I remember about that performance is uh, I dedicate this to the chairs. What what is this about the booty? Ah, <laughs> in and, all of his glory. Yeah, yeah. It's how I and will I begin like, and end this story. Yeah. So yeah. You, yeah so I was uh, I was like, hey, I got a kindred spirit because I ask myself that question all the time, all the time. So, uh, so uh, 
Is that where you kind of started your artistry Mm-mm. as becoming a poet, or Mm-mm. I've been I've, I I was an artist before I knew that that that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. I've been a writer all my life. Okay, like all my life. So before. when did when do you when do you recall the first thing that you wrote that you said this okay. is a story or this is a book or this is a Do you remember or Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, my father still has it. Okay. Um, I was about ten years old. And I wrote my last will and testament. And I wrote in my last will and testament what colors my parents were supposed to wear, what friends were supposed to be allowed to my funeral, what friends were supposed to sing. Um, At 10. At 10. That's deep. Okay. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And that was my second one because I wrote another one when I was like eight Mm -hmm. because I was down home and um, down in the country. We used to spend our summers in the country and my grandmama wouldn't let me call my mama or something. I don't know. It was something simple. And I wrote my last will and testament. I was like, (laughs) y'all killing me. Uh Um, And from there um, in elementary school um, and actually 10, I was probably like eight. My teacher, um, Jacqueline Jones Harvey, used to always put me in the lead roles in the plays that we did. I was Minnie Mouse in Mickey Mouse Goes Disco. Um, <laughs> she wrote a, she wrote, and she wrote everything, which was also really phenomenal. My uh, elementary school te- tag teacher, she taught me third, fifth, no, she taught me third, yeah, third grade, fifth grade, and sixth grade. Okay. And she went to Bishop College. Mm-hmm. She was from uh, Monroe, Louisiana. That's mm-hmm. where my family's from. Monroe? I'm going Saturday. Already. Well, let me tell you about my, <laughs> let me tell you about my, my teacher mentor. Okay. She desegregated West Monroe High School. Oh, okay. But we never, I never knew that growing up. I literally just found this out last summer, mm-hmm. which explains why we always thought she was crazy. But <laughs> um, she used to write all the plays. She was our tag teacher. So she mm-hmm, taught us mm-hmm. everything. We were in her classroom all day long. Mm-hmm. And she wrote The Wedding, of which um, I had the, the beginner, I opened it up with me and this other girl. We opened that play up. Um, and I would find out much, much later, uh, because there's some trauma off in there somewhere about me and being an artist. But years later, she told me I was her Cicely Tyson. Mm-hmm. So there are things about that experience that I don't remember because I was so resistant to it. I okay. was the kid who forever would dumb myself down to be with every the average people. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to like grow into that. Even when people saw me being an artist, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that's what was going on with me because okay. I was spent. Mm-hmm. I spent so much time trying to just be normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So what was it? Was it what brought you out of that? What was it? Um, God, like mm-hmm. life. Life has a way of to. Life has a way to keep pushing you where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. No matter what you try to go do, mm-hmm. life has a way of just pushing you back into those areas that make you feel like you're at home. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, there was no one particular thing. I just always found myself in those spaces. So for instance, when I was in college, I wasn't, I was an RTV major and we shared the building with the theater kids. And I don't even know how I ended up in Native Son, but I auditioned for Native Son. Mm -hmm. Didn't get a part, but the director, the, the, the guy that was over theater was so impressed with me that he wrote me into the play. And when they <laughs> did the ad in the school paper for Native Son, the picture was a picture that I was in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And even then I was like, ah, that was weird. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to be the first black woman in Dallas to own her radio station. Okay. Um, wow. Got out of school. They were telling me I had to start from the ground up. And being at East Texas State at the time, being a black woman in broadcasting was one of those experiences that I was like, I'm not going to start from no ground up. Yeah, I, just, I just got bashed mm-hmm. through three straight years mm-hmm. of, you know, being under white people telling me what I can and cannot do. Right, and I just, right. I just didn't have it in me. Mm-hmm. So I got a job at a warehouse. And years earlier, like years earlier, my father had taken me, he took me to, two, to meet two important people who are still in my life. Emma Rogers, who owned Black Images Bookstore, mm-hmm. yeah. and Curtis King down at T-Ball. Because mm-hmm. my dad used to make Juneteenth shirts. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. So he would do business with them. Mm-hmm. And one year he took me with him and I met them. So I had started 
um, when I got to college, I started visiting Emma Rogers on a regular basis, going in and getting books because I was an avid reader. Okay, so you were at, we're, we're talking about East Texas State University. I finished there in 94. And then okay. we went to, which doesn't exist anymore, or it exists it's as a, a A&M Commerce. Commerce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Black Images, right. which was a bookstore in Dallas right. that was owned by Emma Rogers. And was it? co-owned or it was co-owned yeah it was emma rogers and ashira tosaway okay all right so we know black images well. <laughs> yeah we miss black images, <laughs> we miss black yeah. images mm-hmm. um wow so i worked there and emma told me just work here until you find what you're looking for mm-hmm. and um you know what that could possibly be where we first met it black might images. be i was everywhere though I was because like, we were because i was always in black images so that might that be might where be we first met okay but be. go ahead go ahead um and Black Images just opened me up as a reader. Um, the beautiful thing is that if there was a book I wanted to read, Miss Rogers would be like, just take the book. Um, and I got to meet the writers that were coming through because that mm-hmm. was at a time where reading was like a thing yeah. for mm-hmm. black yeah. people. Yeah. So yeah. Jay California Cooper, um, Eric Jerome Dickey, um, the political writers that were coming through, Les Brown, these people were coming through. And I literally was like, these people writing books and making money. money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. What you say? That's yeah. what I need to do. And then I read Invisible Life by Elian Harris. Yeah. And I was like, I can do this. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I read the, the advanced proof. I didn't get the final copy. He was on his way and we would get the advanced proofs. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, I can do this. I can write a book. And what, I, year, what year was this? Was it? Um, I graduated in 94, 95. This was like 95. This was like 95. So... Um, and at this point, I was working at EDS. So I was working at EDS and mm-hmm. doing part-time at Black Images. Okay. So I started writing. I was writing at work. I was a tech support. So all we did was sit at our computers, wait for phones to, phone calls to come in. So during that time, I'm writing. And I'm still doing poems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, uh, 95 is when I kind of blossomed under, unconsciously. Okay. That's the best way I can put it. Because mm-hmm. that's where Emotion Brown came from, that same time. Um, so I'm writing a book and every Friday I would get the guide section to figure out what we was going to do that weekend. What happy hour me and my friends were going to go to, <laughs> to get f- drinks and free food. Right. Right. And this is when Iguana Mirage was over. <laughs> okay. Oh Lord. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to throw y'all, we're going to throw yeah, back. Yeah. We're supposed to have a uh, <laughs> nice Dallas little history, history lesson. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> I had saw that Club Clearview had a poetry it, they wouldn't even call slams then. It was like a poetry contest. And if you won, you won $25. So I called my, my friend Tony up. I was like, say, let's go do that. I can win it. I got, I got a poem I know. Let's go win it. And we can use the $25 to buy our drinks mm-hmm. with our free food that we're going to get at whatever buffet we're going to. So we get to Club Clearview. I had, this was probably my second time being in Deep Ellum. Now, when I was 16, I have a cousin named Keisha Gray who graduated valedictorian of Carter High School. She's two years older than me. I know Keisha Gray. Okay, this is my cousin. She has a sister. No, she has an older brother. Brother. Mm-hmm. But Keisha was the only black girl at, at Carter who liked the only white boy at Carter. Okay. His name was something McNeil something. Anyway, Keisha introduced me to the Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, the police. She was that black girl. She just she did not fit into the Carter, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what year did she graduate? Web life. Uh, if I came out in ni- if I came out in ninety, she came out in eighty eight. Uh-huh. Um. Well, years earlier, Keisha had taken me to Deep Ellum to Club Clearview to see the Dead Kennedys. Okay. Have no idea. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm up in here with my cousin mm-hmm. who's dragging me all like and she. And y'all were probably flies and buttermilk. Yeah, we were. Yeah. But she was the reason I had seen um, Rocky Horror Picture Show before I was 16. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, she's literally taking me into these places. Okay. So we get to Clearview, and I'm like, man, this, this feels familiar, but the, the memories weren't connecting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we in Club Clearview, um, and it's weird because it's black and white people all like friends, and I had never been in that environment before. And um, so me and my friend sit at the table Clebo Rainey comes around with the list and he's like um just sign a list and we'll call you up so we sitting there and I was like well if I lose I don't want them to know Kamika Spencer lost so we got to come up with a name ah okay so we sat there and Emotion Brown was born out of that meeting between me and my friend <laughs> wow. okay. that's where Emotion Brown came from right. okay 
So that night I won. We can check off that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That night I won. And then Gino met me. And Gino was like, yeah, I'm trying to start this group of black poets. Um, and would you be interested? Gino's is Jonathan. Jonathan is White. Yeah. Okay. But okay. Gino, I used to work with him. Yeah. So I know that's that's how I know him. Yeah. Y'all work downtown together? No, this was high school. Oh, OK. That's when I met him. Yeah. Well, Gino was also from Highland Hills. So it was like mm-hmm. right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So um, I started hanging out with Gino and we put oil together. Okay, I that's remember, how ordained yeah. and lyrics came to be. That's it, ordained and lyrics. Yeah, yeah I remember this now. Yeah, yeah. so this this is ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. So ordained and lyrics is born. Emotion Brown is born, and now I got a book. When Which all hell know. breaks loose, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now what year did uh, when all hell breaks loose come out? Ninety. Well, depend. The self published came out in ninety six. Okay. And then I got the book deal ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, so I have the copy with the the I'm, i have the what original color is copy. It? it's the black, black. yeah, it's yeah the if you black rub one. it too much it'll come off on your hands well. <laughs> so you might want to put that in a plastic bag <laughs> put that, i have that copy yeah yeah because i think i was at the book signing for when all hell at the african-american yeah. museum mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i don't know how we i don't know how how we met but we've been in each other's like atmospheres for, for, a, for a hot for minute a good 20 years yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, did you, who went to morehouse no no okay i don't know wanted to go Oh, you know what she think, Kevin? Well, Walker went to Morehouse. He's been on the show. Yeah. Okay. But no, I thought one of you went to Morehouse. No, no. Okay. Because I was like, maybe we met at Freaknik. But I don't know. <laughs> one of us went to Howard, though. Uh, I got accepted to Howard, but my mom was like, it's, it's going to be too far. Because yeah. we, I graduated high school in Maryland. Yeah. Really? Yeah. My, um, in 80, 88, 89, 90, yeah. 88, we moved to Maryland. And I finished from South Hagerstown High School. So I, I applied to Howard mm-hmm. because we were living in Maryland. But my mom was getting ready to move back to Texas. And she was like, that's too far. So I went to Clark Atlanta my first year. Wow. Okay. And that was too far, huh? Yeah. So yeah. What, uh, what was the impetus for uh, When All Hell Breaks Loose? What was... Um, I mean, you said that you had I could read do it. E. Yeah. Jerome Dickey. And you well, just I felt like I could write a story that was compelling, that was dramatic, and that had like this. Because for some reason, I realized that Elin Harris uh, wrote a gay story about, a, you know, it was about same-sex interests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my business mind was like, that's going to be hot. Mm-hmm. That's that's literally what I was thinking. Like mm-hmm. that's finna be hot. Like I knew I I have a sensibility about me that is very always on the cutting edge of something. Mm-hmm. Now I may not make it through or may not, but I'm always like on the cusp. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm the person who like literally when I heard Amy Winehouse, I was like, y'all gotta hear this. Y'all mm-hmm. gotta hear this Frank album. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was like, I can write a gay story. <laughs> <laughs> I know it seems crazy now but I mean I have friends who were in same sex relationships but everybody seemed to be in the closet you know what I mean Yeah. so I was like I can do this mm-hmm. and that book and was a page turner it was it was and um, even for me writing it I was like ooh this is good <laughs> oh my god who writing this um, so um, and because I grew up with brothers um I was I I really used to think to myself I can redefine what a tomboy is because that's what I grew up as I Mm. love men but I can show look at a woman's booty and be like damn she fine but I have no like desire Mm. but Mm. I'm a tomboy like Mm. I'm ready to fight you know I climb a tree for you whatever so when I thought about Greg um who's the main character in that Greg was me you know what I mean in Mm -hmm. that sense Mm -hmm. he was this very sensitive um, black man who was trying to accept, you know, the openness of the world and ultimately gets um, shit on in the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I self-published it and then I did guerrilla marketing. Um, so, so what was the... Uh, so we... Did you ever did you ever get like an agent and try to sell a book first? Mm-mm, no, Miss um, Rogers. I, when I had the manuscript, mm-hmm. well, first of all, let me say this: Omar Tyree um, had just did Fly Girl. Okay. And mm-hmm. when he came to Dallas, Miss Rogers said, "Talk to him," because he had started out self published. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I wrote Omar, Omar Tyree a letter. He wrote literally. I have two. I still have the letters. He wrote me two letters back telling me everything I needed to do to self publish, oh, and okay. I followed that letter mm-hmm. to the. Because there was no internet. No. <laughs> 
No. So you um, know, you couldn't just put self publish in Google right, and figure out right. how to do it. So somebody had to kind of walk you through it. He walked his his letter mm-hmm. walked me through it, mm-hmm. and so, I had to find these resources in Dallas. So how does this publishing thing work? You know, well, how did you do it? At yeah. the okay, time? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I found a publisher in Dallas. Um, impressions, something impressions. I can't remember the name of it. Um, sat down with them. And Omar's letter told me, figure out what kind of paper I wanted, um, the weight of the paper. He wow. told me to find a book that looked like I wanted my book to look. Wow. And yeah. mm-hmm. copy that. Um, I had met Sidiric Raphael at the time who was doing graphic design. I know him too. Somebody hooked me up with Sidiric. And mm-hmm. I may have been, I may have met Corey them because I don't really remember how I got. But Sidiric did that cover. Okay. Sidiric hired a kid out of North Texas mm-hmm. who drew the cover. And then he put it all together. Wow. Okay. Um, I started a publishing company, which was Acumac. My name's Bill Backers. I took that from Oprah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, my dad was self, was an entrepreneur, so my dad helped me get a tax ID, do all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had friends, so my friends were like helping me get the word out, uh, mm-hmm. uh, typing up labels, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, to send out. And then we just had to hustle. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you two things I did. One of the things I did was before the book came out, because we had a network of black bookstores at the time, I would say, for instance, call a black bookstore in North Carolina. And I would say, hi, my name is Linda McGilbrey. <laughs> and I just got off a plane. And yeah. um, there was a lady reading a book called When All Hell Breaks Loose. And um, I just landed here and I was just calling <laughs> to see if y'all had it. So I did that. So mm-hmm. I had people looking for my book before it even came out. Right. So wow. when it hit, now mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I'm I'm as my own distributor. I'm sending them five copies. Yes, here or there. Mm-hmm. The other thing I did was um, I don't know if this Heaven ninety seven, but uh, Willis Johnson used to do Dear Karuna. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so seventy three. So seventy three. KKDA. Yeah, and I wrote a letter to to Dear Karuna saying it was about a husband and a wife, and the wife kept leaving the book out, and she kept telling her husband he needed to read it because it was going to affect their relationship. And the whole letter is like, when all hell breaks loose, when all hell breaks loose, when all hell breaks So Willis, uh-huh. now they done, they done bought it. They done uh-huh. bought into this. So now they like, we need to get this book. Emma Rogers, do you have this book? And so I created a buzz before the book was even out. That's freaking genius. I know, right? It yeah. was at the time. Mm-hmm. It was at the time. And I didn't. At the time, now, if somebody <laughs> yeah, did now, that today, yeah, it would could, work. Yeah. I well, mean, it would kind of yeah he's i mean creating a buzz that's yeah. that's like pure genius but that but that's my that's one of my gifts that i once again i i just didn't want to own it mm-hmm. and it worked for everybody i ever touched mm-hmm. anybody i ever touched to help them get anything off the ground it worked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um that's how when all hell breaks loose got off the ground and then they have what is called the aba well i don't know if it's called aba now but it was called something uh, something booksellers association and miss rogers because i was doing so good she said if you can get yourself to chicago i'll pay for your hotel room Mm -hmm. so i bought my plane tickets i got my crew together my dad made us some acumac shirts and i took 300 books and i told him told everybody by the time we get back i don't want don't sell any of these give them out for free just hand the hand 300 Mm -hmm. copies out at this Mm -hmm. booksellers association and they gave me a table. So at one point, I, was, I had an actual table going. I had my girls with me, and we mm-hmm. rocking the shirts, and um, we making it happen. And literally four months later, uh, Manny Barron, who's no longer with us, rest in peace, uh, called me at work. Mm-hmm. And was like, this is Manny Barron. <laughs> he had this huge New York accent. And who would then? And and who Manny Barron mm-hmm. at the time was a um, editor for Random House. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And he was an acquisitions editor. So he mm-hmm. went out and pulled books in. And mm-hmm. this is when... Uh, black books are starting to get their 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 uh, kind of yes, room yeah. right, right. in the book industry because mm-hmm. Terry McMillan then opened this door right. and now everybody's looking for yeah. black books. books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was right there. I was right there. That is awesome. You know, yeah. we're going to have to use that marketing scheme right yeah, there. Well, you know. yeah, no. I'm going to heard this podcast. We, we know Kamika now. And for years, <laughs> I wouldn't tell nobody. I was like, oh, Lord, I done lied and wrote this letter. Well, but know. it worked. It worked. That's good. I, and then uh, how long after that? So you got to deal with Random House. Mm-hmm. And then so how long after that? Was Cubicles next or was? Um, yeah, Cubicles okay. was next. Um, I did a one book deal. Did I do one book? I did a two book deal with Random House. So that was 
when all hell breaks loose and cubicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and those were easy books. They just, they were just, they were just coming out of me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quit my job right before cubicles came out. Now this is when it gets crazy because this is where if you don't have a grip on <laughs> self love and, uh-huh. and understanding your gift and, and, and owning your gift, you lose it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was a very spiritual level where I lost my gift right before this. Okay. Now, I'm going to be totally honest because now I don't really, for a long time I was really embarrassed, but I'm good. So cubicles comes, I get a fat chick, fat chick, don't pay taxes on it. Like, fuck the government, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just mm-hmm. on some crazy shit. Yeah. Start smoking weed, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just sitting. Um, <laughs> I'm giving people, off you know, chick. yeah, I'm off that chick. <laughs> and, um, and this is not a negative part of it, but Terry Williams and I started dating. So common folk, common folk. The yes, yeah. So they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. have a talent. So I'm like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. going to see us all through. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm helping get the common folk album done. I'm smoking weed. Mm-hmm. I'm balling out of control Got it. and okay. I'm starting to slide, but I don't see it happening yet. Mm-hmm. So I get, Random House is going through their book stuff. So I get moved from Random House to St. Martin's, okay. which wasn't a bad deal. Mm-hmm. I do a two book deal with them. I write, he had it coming. Now, I'm living in a loft down on Elm Street. Life is good. <laughs> when I'm writing, he had it coming. My editor at the time is pregnant. And she finds out that her child has Down syndrome. Okay. Mm-hmm. She pregnant. Mm-hmm. My agent. <laughs> His wife is pregnant and she gets cancer. So right now I'm writing this book and I don't have an agent at my disposable disposal immediately, nor do I have my editor at my disposal immediately. And my book is about to come out. Mm-hmm. I went through four publicists. Every, it was like every time I called them, they were like, well, we got you a new publicist. We got you a new publicist. So the book didn't get marketed mm-hmm. at all. And when I got the book off the press, it had errors in it. And I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And I got mad. My ego, I got mad. And I was just like, eh. I did. I pulled a van hunt. I was like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this no more. Wow. And um, moved back in. Did I move back in with my mom? Yeah. Uh, Common Folks album did release. That relationship ended. Moved back home. And I prayed to God because I was so embarrassed. It was weird how embarrassed I felt, but nobody really knew me still. Mm-hmm. People knew Kamika Spencer wrote a book, but nobody knew me. Right, and right. I was embarrassed by whatever I had conceived in my head. Well, anyway, um, I prayed to God. I said, God, I just want to be gone. Once again, we're dealing with this, these letters, mm-hmm. these death letters. And I was like, I just want to be gone. I was like, I'm too much of a coward to take myself out. Um, but I just want to be gone. So I had a band, Emotion and the Cosmos. Okay, yeah. And Emotion and the Cosmos kind of grew out of this weed smoking culture that I was a part of, hanging out late at night, mm-hmm. doing poetry, all of this. And um, I had decided I was going to do my last show. We were at the, oh God, I want to call it the the Pink. I want to say it was called the Pink Pussycat, but it was on Greenville. Last show, I'm high as a kite. Mm-hmm. I'm up on stage, high as a kite. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have it on video, I wouldn't even, I know I wouldn't remember that night. Oh, wow. But um, that was my last show. The next day, Jonathan, call, Jonathan Tyler calls me and is like, yeah, I saw your show last night. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. And I was just wondering if you'd be interested in doing some background for me. I'm about to release my album. Well, he was self-releasing his album. Uh-huh. So now we go from, from Common Folk, folk yeah. to Emotion and the Cosmos. Yes. To now you're uh, being sought after by Jonathan. Jonathan Tyler. Tyler and, and the, the Northern, Northern Lights. Lights. Okay. Northern Lights mm-hmm. is crazy because, you know, Northern Lights is a strand of weed. Right. So I was like, okay, this, this is crazy. So I was like, sure, whatever. Now, the thing about Jonathan Tyler was it was a lot of people who had been calling me, asking me to be on projects. But whenever I would say, yeah, just send me the whatever, mm-hmm. they would never do it. Okay. So me saying yeah to him was like, this nigga ain't going to send me nothing. Right. He came to my apartment the next day with mm-hmm. his guitar and the CD. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. He's, I really he was. Real. He's yeah. real. This, mm-hmm. this dude yeah. is serious. Mm-hmm. So um, he did his opening show at the, um, 
that post, I don't know the name of this club, but it's right there on the back end of Elm Street. It's like a post ambits. You talking about right there where the post apartment building is? Mm-mm. Well, not the post apartment building, but when you hit Elm Street, you know, it runs one way. Mm-hmm. And back where those lofts are, right where that corner is, there's a venue right there. It's uh, the. Is that the It'll Do Club or something mm-hmm. like that? It's now? like the. What did it used to be? I can't remember. But it used to be it like the. It might be something like oh, that. Oh, it was yeah. on the corner right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right there I, on the I corner. I think I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, we did that show, and I was like, I'm good. I'm going to go. I got to figure out my life because I'm a mess. And um, another show came up. Mm-hmm. Another show came up. And then Jonathan got invited to do the Stevie Wonder tribute at the Black Forest Theater that was hosted by Erica Badu. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was going to do um, Reggae Woman. Mm-hmm. So he was like, Mo, can you do this with me? So me and Jonathan get our asses up on the stage at Black Forest and do Reggae Woman. And the rest was history. He was like, I just, you know, I love having you with me. You know, mm-hmm. if you can make any of the shows, just show up to whatever shows you can. Well, my life was a mess. I was like, when we leaving, you know, yeah. my bags are packed. I'm mm-hmm. ready to get out of here. Fuck Dallas. That's mm-hmm. where I was in my mind. Mm-hmm. And what year was this? 2005, <laughs> 2006. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a whole decade had gone by. Yes. And there's so much happened in that time. In that time. That's what I'm thinking So about. much yeah. happened in that. Because I was still doing oil shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm telling y'all, every time I tried to move away from, from, from my art form, I always ended back up in some capacity of my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was on the road with Jonathan Tyler and them for eight years. Um, I was the only black female, and sometimes it was upwards to like eight guys. Because he sometimes would do these huge shows where he would invite his other friends down. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we were in racist venues. Um, I got called Haiti Baby. one time we were in this venue i think in kansas city and this old white dude you know when we would get to venues a lot of times i would give me a drink i would go straight to the bar give me a drink Mm -hmm. and uh because it was it was just a lot being on the road with them and i was older Mm -hmm. i was at least 15 years older than the youngest cat on the the van but nobody knew how old i was Mm -hmm. um and they they weren't they didn't have black friends they didn't they didn't have black people around them all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um so it was always just weird mm-hmm. on the van um we learned to to be brothers and sisters over time but them beginning stages they mm-hmm. were rough um but one time we were in this venue in kansas city and this old white man strikes up a conversation with me i'm being nice and he's like you know i like you my haiti baby and I was like, oh, shit, here we go. You know, here we go. So Jonathan had him thrown out of the venue. Um, but a lot of uh, microaggressions happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in venues where the Confederate flag is just being flown, but motherfuckers is like, we love you, Mo. You know, and it's just weird because I'm like, but you don't love my people. Mm-hmm. And you really don't love me. Mm-hmm. You love the fact that I'm up here with these white boys in this, like, position Mm-hmm. That y'all are used to seeing us in. Right. Right. Um, there, there got a, there came a point to where I started getting moved back on the stage. I was asked not to move and dance so much on stage. Um, but ultimately, we ended up getting a record deal with um, Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's yeah. how I found out about B.O.B. That's how I found, discovered Janelle Monae. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. how I got into um, um, Lupe Fiasco. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Did, did you do any writing on... Uh... Mm-mm. With with uh, Jonathan? No. <laughs> what was that look? <laughs> well, you you tried to hey, well, let's do this and nah. That's you, not. There were efforts, but I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, um, I prayed to God to get me out of there, and that's what God did. So I have mm-hmm. to always look at why I was there, because mm-hmm. what I tried to do uh, was never uh, totally reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad I made it out. And this is what's crazy. I'm telling you, it just gets crazy. So we get signed to Atlantic Records. <clears throat> we go to California. 2001, I think. 2000, 2001. <clears throat> we're in California. We're supposed to be there like a week and a half. We're there for four days. We, ju- we get our checks like the second day. So another day goes by, another day goes by. So we done spent our money because we didn't have to go get groceries. And we're staying at this cat named Ryan Hewitt's house. And Ryan Hewitt is, an, is a, a, a Grammy Award winning producer. So mm-hmm. he's out of town. And we're staying at this dude's crib. And it's just like, it's crazy. Um, 
Jonathan <laughs> brings us all downstairs to a room. He's like, I'm breaking up the band. And the chicks that y'all just got are y'all's last chicks. So I was like, okay. You know, I'm, at this point, though, I was like, it's, something to has to change it. anyway. I really mm-hmm. was. Because mm-hmm. it was just, we were... The, we were being transformed into something that wasn't familiar anymore. And we used to rock the fuck mm, out. We uh, used to like rock out. And it just, we started becoming this sterilized. Plus Jonathan stopped drinking, which was a good thing. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it transformed us in a way that was weird. Um, he breaks up the band. Say for instance on a Wednesday. My mom has a heart attack on a Thursday. So I had to use my last check to come home. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I was brokeity broke by then. That was in January. So February, I'm living with my brother. I'm trying to figure it all out. <clears throat> I'm still sitting in on Tuesday nights with Colab and all of them. Um, I can't remember the name of that place either. But um, still sitting in with them, making a little money. I'm now a teaching artist. I done hooked up um, with an art organization here. So I'm going into schools after school, teaching, making a little money. March hits, I get knocked off the freeway. My car flips three times. Mm-hmm. Oh. And <laughs> so now I don't have a car. car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Insurance wasn't enough because I was paying the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, I give up. I mm-hmm. submit, I submit, I submit, I submit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I left, I left the weed alone. Um, I, for a long time, I stuttered after that car wreck. Like I couldn't really talk. And even when I tried to smoke, I would stutter even more. So I was like, something's got to give, Kamika. Like, you're going to, I'm not going to, God literally was telling me, I'm not going to take you out, but um, you, can't con, you can't continue in the way that you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started writing in my journal more. And because I had a degree, mm-hmm. I was able to teach. Okay. So I got wow. a teaching job. So that's ultimately how you ended up how and i said i was only going to teach for five years okay this is year six okay now i'm gonna tell you how god works in year six where i say five is my last year i end up signing off for another year and i said this is my victory lap because i got teach at a year last year okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i saw that um then i get the opportunity to go to california which solidifies this is your last year teaching okay so let's talk about that so you right well let's do this okay so what did you start teaching and what have you gotten from it? And mm, I originally started teaching seventh grade English language arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out at a charter school, Harmony. And I really loved it because uh, the majority of the students were uh, from other countries. Okay. Turkish, Africa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the black kids were like far and few between, even though you saw brown bodies. Mm-hmm. American black kids were like, yeah. that wasn't my norm. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot. I learned more from the kids than probably they learned from me that year because I was still an artist at heart and I didn't realize these kids got to be ready for the star test. <laughs> <laughs> so you just asking a whole bunch of questions about culture. We in there doing and, yeah. projects and uh-huh. stuff and they supposed to be reading paragraphs. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the war in Syria had kind of started. Okay. So mm-hmm. I had kids that were like being affected by that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it opened me up to world affairs in a way that I didn't expect to be um, opened up. They wanted to keep me, but the guy found out that I wrote grants. And -hmm. he was like, well, I want to put you in the classroom part-time and have write grants, you know, the other half. And I said, but I'm not certified yet. Mm -hmm. And I need my certification. I need to be able to go anywhere Mm -hmm. and teach. So I had to leave there and went back to Lancaster. Um, Lancaster had a position open. My mentor, Jones Harvey, Mm -hmm. she... um, her husband um, knew somebody who knew somebody. So my name got put in that pot. I interviewed, got the job. Okay. So for three years, I taught English language arts at Lancaster Middle School, seventh grade. Okay. And that was my, that was it. Like I was in love because I was like, I love seventh graders. They're mm-hmm. like, they're the most confused, emotionally um, <laughs> stunted, you know, uh, tra- traumatized by, you know, the sun going down. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, it's dark when I get to school. Yes. <laughs> So um, that was like, it was great. But once again, I was in a testing area and I was like, I don't believe in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, y'all, but I don't believe in it. This is, Teaching we're tests. wasting time. Absolutely. We're wasting time and right. we're, we're wasting lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started thinking, you know, where else can I benefit, you know, be a benefit? So I had theater background mm-hmm. um, just from being in community involvements with like Soul Rep Theater, Jubilee. Yeah. Um, so I um, took the theater test. 
and passed it mm-hmm. and got certified in theater. Okay. And then so last year I taught middle school theater, seventh and eighth grade, mm-hmm. and then got moved to the high school, okay. which is where I am now. Right. And so now you're in year six. Year six. And you, Victory lap. Now it's time to, Trend. then you get a call and you are whatever, <clears throat> and you headed to Cali. What yeah, the, well. So how, how did, what, what I have what's a, transpired? Well, I have a friend who's a writer and I decided to get back on Instagram. It was weird because I wasn't doing any of that. I was like barely Facebooking. I was like, oh, this is for old people. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had told myself, Kamika, if you're going to survive this thing, you got to get back into technology. You got to like do something. Yeah. Um, so I opened my IG and I opened my IG and my homegirl is on here like, hi, Lee Daniels, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what is she doing right now? So, of course, I do my research and find out that Lee Daniels Entertainment and Represent are doing this call for artists, creatives, writers, actors, whatever. If you can make a 15-second video saying why they should choose you, mm-hmm. then they're going to fly seconds. you and two other people to California for a three-day workshop. Wow. Okay. So I did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought about it for two days because it was a deadline. I was like, I got a little time. So for two days, I thought about what I needed to say. Um, and once again, that business mind, the first, one of the first things I thought was like, Lee Daniels has money. So I can't just get up there like, you should choose me because, you know, you can't, can't fuck with people's money. Right, you know, right. he's, he's putting money under this. So the first thing I said was, I'm going to return on your investment. Mm-hmm. You know, and that um, this opportunity would not only grow me professionally, but um, personally. Um, I can take what you give me and give it to my students mm-hmm. um, and that I just grow me. I'm mm-hmm. ready to grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I got in, Okay, I got in. So um, once again, it was just one of the moments, but th- now this is where sometime in the past three years I've, I've owned it. I've said, you know what? This is who I am. Mm-hmm. And I accept yeah. who I am fully. Yeah. Yeah. There was a moment after I sent that video in, like a couple of days passed and I woke up one morning. I said, he's going to choose me. Okay. Because I'm worth it, mm-hmm. and I know what I'm doing, and I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he did. So okay. now I kind of live, I just kind of live in my, in my gift, in my talent, in my knowledge, in my ability to um, help people yeah. and, and be helped in return. So, you're, um, so what, what, what was the workshop? What, what, what happened? Um, okay, so what we basically did was we got the opportunity to meet the powerhouses behind Lee Dan- that are currently behind Lee Daniels Entertainment. So the writers for Empire, um, his casting people, mm. his producers, his uh, development directors. Um, and then we got to see one of his shows that's getting produced, the Miss Pat show, okay. um, which Debbie Allen directs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So got to, we got to see that. Was you, did you get to meet Debbie yes. Allen? Yes. <laughs> yes. And let me, t- let me tell you, this is crazy, y'all. I'm telling y'all how crazy this is. Okay, Debbie Allen was supposed to be in Dallas that Saturday. So this is Thursday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Thursday I get to, no, Wednesday I get to California. Thursday we see Debbie Allen. Debbie Allen was, supposed, was coming to, she was on her way to Dallas. Mm-hmm. She was coming to Dallas to do a, a movement workshop that had all of these different components. There mm-hmm. was a writer component that I was supposed to facilitate. But I couldn't facilitate it because I had gotten the opportunity to mm-hmm. go to California. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. Like, yeah. So the stars are trying to align. They are, they are aligning. Yeah. I just gotta. <laughs> I gotta be obedient. Yeah. That's my problem. Is I'm hard headed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm real mm-hmm. hard headed, but I'm no longer willing to be normal okay. for the sake of my art. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what's important to me now. Is like. Mm-mm. So what's next? What you got going? Um, right now I'm working on four projects and. Well, let me say, let me, let me, let me pull it in right now. Right now, what's important to me is that the students that I'm teaching, Mm -hmm. um, leave theater appreciating it on some level Okay. because it's a dumping ground for the most part. Mm -hmm. I mean, kids get dumped and I've managed to create through technology ways for them to find some kind of interest in what they're doing. We're trying to do a full production this year. Um, and they got my 100% until I'm not there anymore. So gotcha. my projects, even though I'm working on them, I'm not really processing them right now because mm-hmm, I got mm-hmm. summer coming. And as long as I wake up, I'll get it done. Yeah. Um, I'm not really pressed 
about the Hollywood timing thing, mm -hmm. you know, because technology has it now to where anybody can hit at any moment. It's not, <laughs> we're not all aimed in one direction. True that. And I'm not worried. Tyler mm -hmm. Perry just opened his studio, so I'm not worried. Mm -hmm. um, so right now it's about me creating a space for these students who wouldn't otherwise have a theater teacher who is also a writer, who is also a dreamer, mm -hmm. who is also um, an anointed in a way that can inspire them to do their best mm -hmm, mm -hmm. creatively, mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like, you may not even think you're ever going to need to be creative, but I'm here to tell you that because you are a creation, you have to be able to create when you don't think you can. Okay. You don't have to go buy anything. Everything you need is already in your reach. You got to change your perception mm -hmm. and look around you. Yeah. So we take nothing and make it into something. Mm -hmm. That's what we do every day in right. theater. Mm -hmm. um, and to provide them opportunities to see me in greater spaces so they can see themselves in greater spaces. Because it was not until I was in that room with those writers from Empire that I realized how important it is that we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, this is me. This is where I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be. And right. I've never felt that. Mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. seen black people in all kinds of spaces, but it never inspired me to to realize that that could be me. Okay. The mm -hmm. way that being in that writer's room mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. So right now, that's my, my, my uh, focus point. Outside of that, I have four projects. Um, I have a stage play that I wrote as my thesis in grad school. Okay. It's... Um, a stage play about a young girl, black girl magic, who really is interested in magic. And she realizes through her learned magic tricks that she's developing some real cosmic kind of gift. And long story short, she ends up being the daughter of Santa Claus. So Santa Claus, when he was going down all them chimneys, he was hitting it, you know, before he got married. <laughs> and um, he ended up fathering a child out of, out of one of those visits. Because he hasn't always been married. You know what I mean? We've been fed this whole idea of Santa Claus. And I'm like, well, who is our Santa Claus? What right. does he look like? Right. You know, because right. everybody don't have chimneys. Maybe he was at the back, though, you right, know. Right, right, right. Um, and it's a Christmas play. Can't so wait to see that. I can't either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, baby. Um, <laughs> and then my mentor, who I told you all about, who desegregated West Monroe High School, she's finally told her story. Okay. And um, there was a lot of pain and trauma behind that, but um, I'm editing that that work right now. Mm -hmm. um, then in my fourth novel, oh, good. Death yeah, of a yeah. Basketball Player is mm -hmm. finally mm -hmm. being worked on. Okay. Are you, are, you, who, are you publishing that or is it? Well, I'm at a point now where um, I'm back kind of at square one where I can self-publish or I can go to oh, my, okay. my, my, my agent is still in place. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to him first because I'm not trying to work hard anymore. Yeah, I just want to yeah. work smart. I yeah. just, you know, and like I said, I'm not trying to be a, mil a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Just if we can agree on a number that keeps me feeling normal mm -hmm. and, um, you know, where I can finally go out of the country or whatever, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to do. I just want to make sure that, that money feels e that it equates the work that I've done. Okay. Um, that's three. I'm missing one. Um, mm, the play. The two books, I can't remember. There's one other one though. There's another. I know it's four projects. Okay. TV show? No. Um. I can't remember. Well, that's wow. okay because uh, <laughs> I mean that's enough right there. Yeah. 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 I mean it's more than enough. Then well, you know all I have to say is you know you have had an amazing life. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm really thankful. Far. I'm thankful I've survived it. Cause when I it's it's so much we just haven't talked about that I'm just like, I did that and I was there and I remember that and yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been in a lot I've, of places. I've always been struck by your fearlessness. To me, you I mean, to hear you I say that. I don't even know you, where that comes from. Yeah, but to you hear know? you talk just now about um some of your vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I I am always impressed by people who can get past that. Yeah. That thing. Yeah. That I'm like Solange. Always... I tried to smoke it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried I to just, read it away. I've always, because we always uh -uh. talk about, I was, t I was, I think a couple of shows ago, I was talking about how I sat down to write many things, mm -hmm. whether it be a book or a song. And I get to a place in the, in, in whatever I'm writing and I go, hmm, that's not going to be perceived well. 
Wow. And then it just, and then I get like totally like stopped by mm-hmm. it. So I'm Paralyzed. always, yeah, I'm, it's like, it's, it's debilitating, but I'm always, so when I meet people who just like that fearlessness, yeah. that's just the most impressive thing in the world to me. And I think I've always been struck by that because again, the first mm-hmm. poem I heard you do, Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the first poem I remember, Booty. I just can't see myself. Not you know, right, 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 writing right. the male equivalent to <laughs> to right. Booty. I couldn't see myself doing that, and then being like so confident to stand in front of somebody and just you know uh, spit it out like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, you know you find what you're comfortable. Which yeah. which you which what are you brave at? You know, yeah, don't yeah, be so yeah, focused yeah, yeah. on what you're not brave doing, but yeah. what are you brave at? Mm-hmm. And I was listening. I've gone back and listened. I think I've listened to all of y'all's podcasts. I think I'm caught up. <laughs> but you, y'all mentioned Soul Embassy Cafe. Mm-hmm. And I used to be in that spot all the time. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. I remember when, you know, they didn't have greens one night. I'm like, how do you not have greens? Right. right. We did talk like, about that. Like, for real. They <laughs> used to pull them stunts. And yeah. I was like, what are y'all doing with y'all's yeah, lives out here on Northwest <laughs> Highway? Like... <laughs> We're not featuring cornbread. Not- <laughs> I'm like, you're not featuring what? Right. Cornbread. I remember that. I remember like, that. You anybody can do cornbread. This is not that hard. But anyway. Yeah. Wow. We won't dog soul embassy yeah. cafe out anymore. That's something else. Wow. You so, caught up. Huh? So now I'm gonna ask for this this thing. Do you remember booty? Let's see. <laughs> Probably not, but my mom still has it hanging up in her bathroom. Let me see. What is it about the booty in all of its glory? It's how I will begin and end this story. Some are a little flat, others a bit too round. Some sag. Ah, some sag to the ground. I don't remember. I should. I should. I should. I, I should have made. You I still go, have I was it though. Shock you. I remember seeing it on a piece of paper it's in curved. the silhouette. Yeah. Now I had partnered with a dude named Ramon McCowan who came mm. out of Arts Magnet, a graphic designer. And we had started Express Yourself Communications. So I've always had this like underlying like entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was the person who was doing the graphics for me at the time. Okay. So we did posters. I was selling posters of that. So oh, really? it's people with posters of booty. You still have I, them? I don't know why I didn't have one. My mom still has one. one? I don't think so. Wow. I don't know why I don't have one. Yeah. You know what? Let us Not uh, that my wife would let me Go to my mama's house. <laughs> how, it's how one in it? the back. It's, a po- it's like a... Uh, uh, like a 24 if by 36. If you turn that, if you turn that long way. Portrait way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about that. Oh, wow. Well, that's portrait. If you landscape, I mean landscape. I mean, yeah. No, that's landscape. If you turn it portrait, portrait yeah. it's about that big. Oh, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Not, not that my wife would ever let me put it up anywhere, but mm-hmm. I would love to have it. I used to sell my poems in, in like huge poster size. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I had found a place out yeah. in Addison that would laminate, put, make them poster size and laminate them. And for a little while, I was teaching poetry and in the summers at the uh, Dallas Public Library. And that's what I would do for my kids mm-hmm. was I would take their poems and poster size them so they would have them. So that's whatever I've ever done, if there were kids involved on the flip side of that, they benefited from it. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's I think that's kind of the thing that gets me through is that I just I'm not a, I'm not a hoarder of my talents. And this is kind of a good and bad thing, because sometimes it's taking me off of my own game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've I, I, people benefit yeah people benefit and the more you give the more you get back yeah yeah, that's yeah. really the truth that's what's up yeah man i love to have one of those posters I will too. <laughs> yeah. you see you because you, you see that's a good po- that's a, that's art though booty, <laughs> booty i don't know booty, booty was art booty was art yeah, yeah and it, it had booty like yeah, written yeah that yeah was, that was singing my oh, life with his words. Yeah. Yeah. That was wow. that was dope. Kamika, thank you so no, much. No, thank you. I yeah, appreciate man. y'all. Like, man, yeah. you have to got to come back again. Yeah. I love to come back. And we just thank we you for listening to every episode. Yeah, I had of to. Psycho Music Lyric Out. I've been telling people about it, told my kids about it. So um We have come a long way. Yeah. Good. We have come a long way from the beginning. Like Virginia Slims. <laughs> <laughs> she come a long way, baby. <laughs> Well, you know, hey, uh, leave our listeners your information so okay. they can see what you have going on. Keep up with you. All right. Um, so if you, for for the season folk, you can find me on <laughs> Facebook at Emotion Brown. And there's, season folk. Yeah, there are two accounts. Either one of them is good. Uh, well, actually, let me not say that. The one with me in the overalls, like I'm on the farm, that's the one you want to see if I'm going to let you in on. Because everybody, it's not an open account. 
And then you can follow me on Instagram at official Kamika, C-A-M-I-K-A. Um, and you can catch my website at www.kamikaspencer.com. And until the license on it goes out, you can still maybe catch me at emotionbrown.com, where I used to do my band stuff. But I'm I'm trying to figure out how to like put all of this in one space because I actually will probably do a show next um, November for my birthday at the South Dallas Cultural Center. I'm doing an art show. Oh, okay. okay. So I'm got got an art some art pieces. Well, you know, I'm psycho about to put up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tyra you know Goodman. Yes, yeah. I teach her daughter. Her daughter is in mm. my theater class. But Tyra's a Sara and um, a really good friend of mine. Yeah, so. her husband went to school with my sister. Uh, okay, Herschel. Herschel. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a power couple to me too. I was like, man, man but you know, they great apart. They great together. Whatever it was, mm-hmm. it, you know, um, we yeah. all benefited because I have both of their artwork mm-hmm. in my house. I have so. four pieces in the room yeah. back there. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you know, that's what's wow, up. That's my work. Yep. But as always, we want to thank you for listening to Psycho Music Lyricology. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play Music. Luminary or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Like us on Facebook at Psycho Music Lyricology. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Psycho Fellas and we can be contacted at psychomusiclyricology at gmail.com or hit us up at 469-606-9534. Until the next time, peace. Peace. peace.